Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. 73% of women recently reported to a US survey that they weren't currently treating any of their menopause-related symptoms. They include, as we said, hot flushes, weight gain, difficulties with sleeping, night sweats. The list really is quite endless. There are unpleasant symptoms, there are indignities that go with it, but it's still something that an awful lot of women aren't talking about. It. I can speak from my own perspective. I'm 48 years old. Uh, I had no idea up until about two years ago that some of the things that were happening to me and that I felt was I'm getting creaky, I'm getting old, I'm, you know, just, just different things that were happening to me that I hadn't dealt with before in my life were actually related to menopause. Now, I'm delighted to uh, have with us today Dr. Deirdre Ford, who is a GP and menopause specialist. She uh, is the owner of Kayla Medical, um, which is a practice in Athlone in County Westmeath, but deals with women all over the country. Um, and Deirdre, you're very welcome. And I'm delighted to have you with us today on the Nile Boylan Show. Hi, good morning, Tara. Afternoon, even. Good afternoon, even. Now, uh, you, you and I have spoken before in a personal capacity, and I want to state that right from, from, from the off. Mm-hmm. There are an awful lot of women like me up until 18 months, two years ago, that had no clue that some of the things that were happening to me in my life and that are happening to them are actually in any way related to menopause. There are, as I said, a litany of symptoms. Maybe you might start by just talking us through some of the common ones we know about, like hot flushes and some of the less common ones. Okay, so um, as you rightly said there about perimenopause and menopause and all of that, so most of the symptoms are going to happen about maybe 10 years before your last period. And those symptoms are going to be really, really bad and uh, really disabling, as, as you said. And it's because we are reducing our, um, our progesterone and estrogen levels. So you're going to get on the physical side, you're going to get vasomotor symptoms like hot flushes, drenching night sweats. Um, you're going to get maybe uh, bloating, really bad insomnia, maybe waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning, can't get back to sleep again. Palpitations might wake you at around 4 o'clock in the morning or you just get this feeling of anxiety, which might actually wake you up in the morning. Um, you'll get an awful lot of vaginal dryness. Urinary incontinence, so urinary incontinence can be an urge incontinence, which means if you need to go to the loo and you don't make it, that you could actually wet. There's an urgency to go. Or a stress incontinence, which means if you cough or you sneeze or say you're walking, that, yeah, you'll start to leak. You'll also get, on the physical end of things, urinary tract infections because uh, there seems to be this thing, you know, women as they get older and they're going to the GP with an awful lot of urinary tract infections and they're put on antibiotics and it just seems to be a recurrent issue. But it definitely is lack of oestrogen uh, down around uh, the the whole bladder area and the vaginal area because there's receptors everywhere. And then on the emotional side, um, Terry, you've got that terrible... um, that anxiety, you've got brain fog, you literally cannot put two words together. You're in the middle of a conversation and that word is gone into the ether, never to be returned again. Mm. Um, You'll get uh, poor concentration, uh, loss of libido. You're going to feel not yourself anymore. The crying might be horrendous. 
crying for no reason, don't know what's wrong with you. Um, you'll get, as you said, on, on the other side as well, those achy, creaky joints. You get out of bed in the morning and your feet feel as if you are a 90-year-old. Yeah. There's just no movement there. And it's typically ankle joints and the shoulder joints. And that's all loss of estrogen because estrogen is a natural anti-inflammatory. So you feel... All of a sudden, you feel as if you're 90 and your skin feels tight and you've got itch all over, itch down below, itch on your skin, Mm -hmm. scalp is itchy, everything. Mm. And as I said, the list goes on and on. Yeah, and now we have to state as well, Deirdre, some women will have most of those symptoms. Some women will have one or two of those symptoms. Some women may have none. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are... Bearing in mind the litany, and you're talking about things like, say, shoulder pain or foot pain or UTIs, urinary tract infections, and women are going to, the, to their GPs. And, and I, I wonder, do you get the sense that in, in many respects they're being wrongly di- diagnosed with things like fibromyalgia or arthritis or, you know, other, you know, you have your creaky, your aches and pains and it's, it's fibromyalgia. I, I hear a lot of women talk about when they go to their GP with the emotional um, effects that, that they're, that they're suffering and um, that the, the catch-all seems to be antidepressants. Yes, and that's and and that that was, I suppose, and probably still is, because um, I suppose a lot of the GPs weren't really up to speed in terms of menopause care and how to actually deal with it. And all they could see was this woman presented with that, with anxiety for no particular reason, and put them on that, on an antidepressant. Um, but with regard to urinary tract infections, absolutely. You see, um, and like I'm a GP myself, but I have. Uh, from my training back when I worked with the HSC and, and all of that, I have a very holistic approach to health. So I can see the overall picture and I never look at one symptom um, um, or, or whatever um, in, on, on its own. I look at the whole picture. And there is this thing that, you know, urinary tract infection, antibiotic, that's not simply the case. And I remember presenting there last year to the Marie, Marie Keating Foundation, we we had uh, we had a um, a seminar online, and one of the urologists was speaking at that too, and he said that the first thing that he will do for any woman who presents to him from a GP with these constant constant urinary tract infections is put them on local estrogen called Vagifem, mm-hmm. which is very true, and and those symptoms go, and all the fibromyalgia symptoms go because if you consider what fibromyalgia means. Um, and I love Latin terms because I did Latin in school. Okay. It means it means aching of the muscles, and that's what fibromyalgia is. Right. You know, so if we can if we can get rid of all of those aches because you have lack of that natural anti-inflammatory coming from your estrogen, of course that's all going to disappear. Why don't we talk about it, Deirdre? Why is it not? I mean, and I appreciate that in the last, I think certainly maybe it's something to do with the pandemic, but certainly in the last couple of years, I've been having conversations with friends of mine, um, but it's maybe the first time that we've had these discussions. I'm seeing, you know, there's a, the, the Irish Menopause page on Facebook mm-hmm. is a fantastic resort for Irish women living here in the country and overseas. And people are sharing their stories and, and, and checking symptoms. And we seem to finally be starting to, to have these conversations, but it's still quite a slow drip. 
It is quite a slow drip, and and like I'm even seeing women. You know, I do an awful lot of online consultations too for women who can't actually get to see me in the clinic. And but with the whole Delta variant now, I'm trying to to keep the the clinic kind of free from any kind of potential infection. Mm. That, putting that aside, um, uh, definitely, um, you know, women are still, you know, trying to figure out why they're why they are suffering this and I had um, a lady just before I came on here and she wanted to know was there any side effects with all of this and I said well do you not know about the health benefits of it mm. which she was not aware of at all. Well, and you're talking about HRT now we'll, yes. we'll come to that in a minute. Yeah but... yeah but health benefits of treatment and stuff mm-hmm. like that but no she 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 I think she had heard maybe on, on another radio program or somebody had told her about the fact that there's a lot of women talking about this and then she started to look at her own symptoms and say, well, maybe, maybe this is what I have. You know, um, it's it's probably during the pandemic everybody's starting to talk about it and certainly I had to try and see what way I could help uh, people yeah. um, during all of these lockdowns um, because I had only recently just opened my own clinic and then had to close it down because I got COVID myself. Um, so I had to look at um, doing something, doing things differently. So I think everybody's looking at doing things differently. And women now are looking because they probably have time on their hands to mm. to really try and address, apart from the anxiety of COVID, what else is going on with them. And as you said, the Irish Menopause page is a fantastic resource for women. Yeah, it and is. They're learning I, I, and I wonder, in a, in a way, Deirdre, is it also that so many of us, and we're talking about, and I, I, look, I appreciate that the age groups, some, some women can enter very early menopause and for mm. some women it can be later, perimenopause at that. You know, you don't maybe expect when your life begins at 40, they tell us. And, you know, yeah. there is a fantastic uh, freedom that comes maybe with entering your 40s. Uh, the kids aren't as young and aren't as demanding of your time anymore. You know, your career maybe isn't as pressing and it's the time that maybe a lot of women start to sort of feel okay I have a bit of time to myself then they suddenly realise jeez I'm achy I'm painy I'm crying yes. I've got anxiety mm-hmm. you know I'm constantly having having UTIs any one or number of the, of the of the symptoms and a lot of us I suppose would just you know we've got to balance the kids, get the school run done, go to work, do the laundry, cook the dinner. There's not an awful lot of time for even thinking about what's going no. on with yourself. And maybe the pandemic led a lot of people to have to slow down. Um, yeah. And then they start to realise, actually, yeah, there's something not right here. What's going on? Yeah, there's something not right. Exactly. And um, I do remember, like even myself, I was post-menopausal at the age of 48. So I would have been really, really badly perimenopause in my early 40s, not really knowing what was going on and went to my GP because the periods were starting to skip and she was doing pregnancy tests and I thought, geez, this couldn't be happening to me, you know. Um, but but undiagnosed again, you know, hmm. do you want antidepressants? And I said, no, I didn't. So it was only when I became postmenopausal that literally I became, I was hit, it was like being hit by a bus with the drenching sweats and all of that. And I, I, I probably kind of dealt with the bad perimenopause myself, but then it, it just seemed to get worse me you know. Is that what spurred you then to look at this as an area of specialty? I Yes absolutely um, because I suddenly re- realised that there was a lot, of, a lot of things going on you know I had I still had a uterus um, I was having issues now after after begging for HRT I said I, I just can't function you know I'm a doctor I, I have 
I have responsibilities and I, I said I can't even I can't even remember my own name. So I did get my replacement therapy and then I started to bleed and then I went to a gynecologist who told me, no, come off HRT, it's feeding your bleeding. Mm -hmm. I went to another gynecologist for a second opinion because I felt I was being discriminated against because I was a young postmenopausal woman at the age of 48, but that if I still had, you know, if I still was sort of childbearing age, that they would have done a hysterectomy. So anyway, I, I, that really, really said, you know, said, why are people... You know, why our guy is not even listening to the fact that these women are going through such horrendous um, um, menopausal symptoms. And I think they're starting to come on board now with all of that, you know. They're... Can you give us a guideline of the age of the type of, I mean, I appreciate we're, we're, we have to deal in averages here, but mm-hmm. I mean, the age range that somebody might start perimenopause and how long the perimenopausal period might per, go on. For. Yeah, perimenopausal period could go on for 10 years. So I would say women probably, you know, 38, 38 could be starting at that stage. Um, certainly um, up to the age of maybe the average age of menopause, now, when I say menopause, it's a transition. It is a, it is a one-point transition in your life where you hit menopause, which means it's the day of your last period after not having any bleeding for 12 months. Okay. That's your, me- post, your menopause. Your post-menopausal. Post-menopausal then, yeah. now at this stage. But the that symptoms can continue post-menopause. Oh, yeah. It's not like that you, you maybe have this period of up to 10 years of symptoms. Then you have a, uh, a, a 12-month uh, period where, you've no, where you don't menstruate anymore mm-hmm. and there's no bleeding anymore. And then you're grand again. It doesn't work no, that no, way. No, it doesn't work like that. All it's, all it's doing is saying that the that the levels of estrogen and progesterone being produced by your ovaries have depleted so much now that that estrogen and progesterone are no longer fighting with you with each other, bouncing up and down, given all these symptoms and these irregular periods. It means that they've settled down, and you've put, you're now postmenopausal. But things keep going. You're going to continue continue to deplete, deplete, deplete. And I, I, I say it's like, you know, Tara, when you're going through your whole menopause thing, it's like starting at the top of the stairs, knowing that you've got to get to the bottom, la- bottom step and you've got a few landings um, on the way that you've got to navigate. It's not like literally sliding down the banister of the stairs and saying, here yeah. we go, we're done. Yeah. No, no, no. Every stage of, of, of hormone drops you're going to get symptoms. So you've got to go from the top to the bottom um, step. And I would say, even with me, I'm now um, 61, still on my treatment, um, and I will stay on it until until forever and ever. Okay. But I've started maybe just getting a few little bit of the hot sweats back again. But I know now I'm probably at the very, very bottom of the stairs, yeah. Now, and let's talk about treatment because, as I said at the start of the show, this is a US survey. But I, I, you know, anecdotally from uh, what you what we're seeing and reading and hearing, and if you're involved in the Facebook menopause page and even just among your friends of a certain age, seventy three percent of women in the US reporting they weren't currently treating their menopausal symptoms or perimenopausal symptoms. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen a very good or heard a very good description of this, uh, which is that if you have diabetes and your body is not producing insulin, you take insulin and you take it every day, essentially, for the rest of your life mm-hmm. to combat the depletion. Yes. And yet women don't seem to, uh, it ha- the message isn't out there that women can 
de- you know, can um, take the hormones that they're deficient in, oestrogen mm-hmm. and progesterone, mm-hmm. and that they can take it essentially for the rest of their life to combat the depletion. Exactly, exactly. And, and, the, and the oestrogen, and so we know it as, as HRT, hormone replacement therapy. There are a number of different types and forms of it. You might talk us through a little bit about that, how they work and what they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, so if you have um, if you have a uterus, you you need progesterone because the only function uh, of progesterone in life is to is to uh, stay high during pregnancy, to make sure it's stable pregnancy, and to be low, you know, during your menstrual cycle, so that you have a bleed. So if you have a uterus, you need progesterone as part of your treatment. But everybody needs the estrogen also, so we can have it in a tablet form. Um, we can have it in a tablet form, but obviously we wouldn't give a tablet form to somebody who has um, any blood clots or a history of, um, you know, very high blood pressure that I give them all transdermal. So the transdermal then is either a patch. Transdermal being through the skin. Through the skin. Okay, so transdermal is, is either a patch or, so that's a patch of estrogen or estrogen and progesterone, or you can have the estrogen gel with um Microionized progesterone, which is the same as your own body progesterone, and the estrogen is estradiol, the very same as your own um, estrogen in your body. And these are very safe. They they don't go through the liver. They're absorbed into your skin, and they go to all the estrogen receptors in your body. Um, so obviously, if you've had a history, say, of of clots maybe during pregnancy or a DVT or a PE, these are quite safe to take. All right, um, and then we've got local oestrogen in the form of Vagifem where you insert this little um, vagina tablet at night time for any of the urinary tract infections or there's another one called Invagis which is another kind of a, uh, a pessary that you insert to treat all of that area down below um, and then you've got different creams. So there's, there's a lot of, of treatments out there but every woman is different. So the treatment that I give one lady now, maybe my next consultation, may be completely different mm-hmm. and the dosaging will be different um, but, but the younger the woman is who comes to me who are probably late perimenopause where they haven't had a period maybe for six months but they're still not there yet and she could be 42 mm-hmm. I will give her higher levels of estrogen than I would the woman of, of 52 because she under the age of 45 is more at risk of developing heart disease um, and osteoporosis and early dementia as opposed to the to the older women. But you've got to look at the whole health benefits of your HRT. Okay, so why are women so reluctant to take it? Many women are very reluctant to take it and you can't help but think it has to hark back to those headlines that we saw yes. across all of the papers maybe 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. HRT causes breast cancer mm-hmm. and that's it. That it's it's even though as you say there's no one size fits all that actually hormone replacement therapy has health benefits in preventing or certainly reducing the incidence of of heart disease and of things like osteoporosis mm-hmm. but why are women still petrified and i use that word you know deliberately mm-hmm. petrified mm-hmm. to even discuss it let yeah. alone take it um and there's there's probably you know the misconceptions are still out there and probably even um, going back to if they go to maybe their own general practitioner just to discuss it and and maybe some of the GPs are not up to up to date again and they still have this thing in their head that HRT is going to cause breast cancer. HRT, if a woman is on 
hormone replacement therapy over the age of 50. And these are women over the age of 50, okay? And she suddenly um, uh, develops a uh, palpable breast cancer while on HRT. The HRT did not cause that breast cancer. It takes about 10 years for a cell to become palpable to a pea size. And if the HR, if the woman is on HRT and all of a sudden the, the, this lump is felt, it meant it brought it to the surface earlier and treatment then can be instigated earlier. It didn't cause it. Now, if I can just go over a, a chart that um, that's part of the British Menopause Society and Women's Health Concerns, understanding the risk of breast cancer, and I go through this every single time with a woman. Women over the age of 50 have a baseline risk of developing breast cancer, whether we like it or not, and that's when the mammogram screening starts. So you're going to get about 23 women per thousand who will develop a breast cancer over a five-year period. And a woman who's on a combined HRT, which is the estrogen and progesterone, that risk goes up by another four, but it's the same risk as being a smoker or being on the pill on the contraceptive pill. And when you're in your 30s and you go to your GP about being on the contraceptive pill, nobody ever says, no. by the way, there's a risk of breast cancer with this yeah. because it's it's negligible. Okay. So, I, just, just quickly, Deirdre, we need to take a break. I, I want you to stay with us and we have a lot of listener questions. And if you have questions, if you're going through this yourself, if you're concerned maybe about your mother, your, uh, your daughter, your partner, your, you know, your wife, if you have questions, please do get in touch with the programme, 087-188-0008. But Deirdre, I just want to ask you, you mentioned there, you know, people are going to their GPs and maybe their GP refuses because the GP's knowledge maybe is also skewed by that, uh, the scare stories from mm. many years ago. If you have a GP and, and again, you know, I'm seeing this regularly um, in, in commentary that I might see online, but women telling their stories, their GP will just give them antidepressants. You're not in menopause. Um, it's bad for you. It'll give you a risk of breast cancer or your, you know, your mother's aunt had breast cancer and so therefore you can't have HRT. If you are going to a GP whose knowledge maybe is not um, where yours is or where other menopause specialists is, what can you you do about it because it's an awkward position when you're going in you know maybe having consulted Dr Google to go into your GP you know you don't want to put your GP in an awkward position where you feel your knowledge on the subject is maybe better than theirs what is the polite way to address that with your doctor but get the results that you want okay well i would you know i would say to to any of those ladies look at that that you are that you've been informing yourself and that you're part of the Irish menopause group or whatever wherever you're getting your information from, which is, which is you know, evidence-based information, not, not all Dr. Google either, but that you would like to be referred maybe to somebody who knows a little bit more um, about menopause. And, you know, a lot of the GPs will be open to that. Um, and obviously, it's, it's, um, this is fine if you're a private patient, but if, you, if you've got a medical card um, yep. and, the, and the GP is, is flatly re- refusing, um, you may have to go privately to see somebody if they are flatly refusing to uh, to treat you. You know, it's an awkward one. Um, and I do have some ladies who um, who have a medical card and, and you know, and obviously I, I will treat them for a reduced rate and all of that. But I always ask them to, you know, can you just ask your GP to email me to say that he is quite happy for us both to liaise, to work, together so that we can treat you. So that seems to be working 
at the moment. Okay, uh, Deirdre Ford, please stay with me. We need to take a break. Uh, I have a lot of questions already in for uh, Deirdre, but if you um, have any queries or questions menopause related, get in touch with the show. Tara Duggan in for Nile Boylan on Ireland's Classic Hits this Friday. I have on the line still Dr. Deirdre Ford, who's a menopause specialist and GP from Kayla Medical in Athlone. Um, obviously, you've given us a fairly good background, Deirdre, to the types of symptoms that women may experience and indeed some of the treatment options that are there. I'm going to go. We're, we're being quite inundated uh, with questions. So I'm going to start, if that's OK, putting mm-hmm. a few of them to you. And we may indeed bring a couple of listeners on to talk to you as well in a little while, if that's OK. Uh, one woman just kind of echoing the last part of the conversation we had there. Should I change my doctor? Um, I have been uh, with, um, I, I've been to my doctor 47 with a number of symptoms, including insomnia. Uh, he told me to go home and have a hot bath. Oh, I would never advise to change your doctor, but you can always ask, can you be, you know, can he refer you to to uh, see somebody about what might be going on in terms of your menopause? Okay, so it, maybe not go in there guns blazing going, no. I want to change, or but, but certainly ask for a, a second opinion or for, for a referral for more information. Exactly. Um, another, I'm 39, I've been getting very severe migraines since the age of 12 or 13. I've been told that women who suffer um, with migraines will have worse ones when going through menopause. Is that true? I'm actually living on my nerves already thinking about this. It can happen. Uh, her, her migraines could be hormone related. Um, and typically a lot of women start to suffer from migraines when they are going through perimenopause or menopause. But if you go on treatment, most of those migraines will disappear. And I, I can certainly add from my personal experience, that was one of the symptoms that was starting to tip me over the edge. And as soon as I started taking um, estrogen gel and my marina coil, they, they disappeared. Um, another then, how can you tell when you're finished menopause? I'm on HRT patches, but I don't know uh, at this stage if I'm finished menopause. You, you never finish menopause. Menopause is a life transition. OK, so she's probably talking about, I wonder if she menopausal yes you know has she gone into the postmenopausal stage but if she has uh, did you say she had a coil in and uh, no i don't think so she was using patches so we don't know what her progesterone is but yeah so we uh, so we don't know it's all about bleeding if you haven't had a bleed for 12 months then you're you have transitioned into the postmenopausal stage that's all that is a couple of women asking that they're, they've started or recently started HRT um, and that they are now having bleeding after not having had bleeding for quite some time. Is that normal? Will it settle down or is it, uh, is it I think they're, they're and, and it's come from a number of, 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 of uh, different people asking the same question. They're concerned, obviously, that they're going to continue bleeding now. No, they won't. That will all eventually settle down. So they may be on what's called a sequential HRT, which means they're on two weeks of oestrogen, two weeks of oestrogen and progesterone even though they might have had a period maybe for six months but they're not postmenopausal they're still within the ble- you know within that 12 month um, window so over time if they're on that particular regime over time it will it will stop um, because they're just transitioning uh, towards postmenopausal at that stage if you if you remember all we're doing is taking control of those hormones and it's it's like just while you're transitioning through this where the bleeding will eventually stop we're just easing you through that transition that's all 
But if it's a woman, say, who's post-menopausal, who haven't had to bleed for, say, 12 months, and she's just recently started on a, on a combined HRT, yes, it will settle down. It's just the body getting used to the, the shock of having hormones put into them again. And another thing that I think an awful lot of women notice is big changes in their boobs if they start taking HRT. Yes. Yes, that's one of the side effects. Um, but again, that will settle down over time. Your, your breasts may become very tender. They might become very full. Um, you know, uh, if you go to, uh, someone goes, well, of course, in, in, in COVID times now, you won't be doing any of that sort of um, uh, hugging somebody when you meet them. But yeah, your boobs could get very, very sore. But it will. It, it'll all settle down. Okay, it's kind of like having a baby, actually. I think it's, for me, it was sort of like having a baby. You felt like your boobs arrived in the room two minutes before that's, the rest of it. Uh, that's right. But the other thing what, that you could do to, to kind of reduce any of that is evening primrose oil. is actually quite good for that kind of breast tenderness. Okay. Um, if you have oestrogen-sensitive breast cancer, is there any form of HRT that you can take? No. No, no, absolutely that's a, not. That's a blank no, no. What we would do is in situations like that, we try and treat your symptoms individually, individually without hormones. And what help is there for women who can't, um, I mean, a lot of women don't want to. I mean, it's a, you know, mm-hmm. an issue of choice as well. And, and maybe not everybody is reassured um, by some of the debunking that's been done of the old styles of HRT. But for some women, they say, I want to stick with the natural route. I don't want to take hormone replacement therapy. And that's perfectly their choice. But what kind of help is there available for them? So for women who maybe can't take it because of a medical reason or, or don't want to take it. What, what other options are there there to help with symptoms? I know a lot of people who will spend an awful lot of money on various um, sort of homeopathic remedies and supplements and things mm-hmm. like that. Are there any of them that are, are sort of particularly good? So, uh, OK, for, my, for sleep, you could, you know, magnesium is really, really good. Um, for your joint aches and pains, you can do, and for your skin and your hair and your nails, you can do the omegas 3, 6 and 9. Uh, for joints as well, you could do uh, chondroitin sulfate, which is uh, tocosamine. Um, hot sweats, uh, sage is actually quite good for all of that. Um, there is another one, but I don't think you can get in this country, it was black cohosh, um, but I uh, don't think you can... You used to be able to get it here, but you can't anymore. Um, Menopace actually is quite good. It's the um, it's the over the counter um, product. It's called Menop. Anything with the the phytosoy is in it. So the soy will bind to the estrogen receptors, making your body think that you've got estrogen. So it'll actually get rid of a lot of the of the symptoms. Now, in saying that, anyone who is a breast um, who is estrogen positive receptor breast cancer I wouldn't be advising anything with a with a, a soya or phytosoya in it because we don't know about um, the studies associated okay. with it. Yeah, okay. No. Um, a couple of questions about the coil. Uh, can I use the coil? Um, then I've had the marina coil which needs to be changed every 10 years. Will a new coil help me with symptoms of menopause? Okay, she needs that coil changed every five years. Okay. Five years. So the gold standard for uh, hormone replacement therapy actually is the marina coil and estrogen only in the form of a patch or a gel Mm -hmm. because that marina coil, while it'll also be uh, your contraceptive, it'll protect the lining of the womb. We don't consider it a part of a HRT and that in itself reduces any risk of breast cancer having having just the estrogen by itself. So yes, it is the gold standard and just keep changing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have an itch on my private parts for the last 12 months. I'm 60 years of age. Is this a part of menopause? Yes, very much so it is. Um, and if she has associated, say, vaginal dryness and that, you can use local oestrogen for that. 
But if you're tearing like that, tearing yourself at night time, and that happens, you can use a local um, a local steroid cream, uh, which can actually help that. You just use it maybe for a couple of days until until the itching uh, stops, and you can just park the tube there in case you need it again. And that's a, a good question, Deirdre, and it's a conversation you and I have had before um, about women who are maybe over the age of 60, into their 60s, into their 70s and into their 80s mm-hmm. who are now, because they're hearing conversations like the one we're having, putting two and two together and realising that some of the things that they've been putting up with and living with for the last 10, 15, 20 years are actually menopausal symptoms. What is there for older women? You know, I mean, is it advisable? Is it possible for women who are maybe in their 60s or in their 70s or beyond to start using HRT? Okay, so there's a 10 year window of opportunity up to the age of 60. And that means that 10 years since your last period up to the age of 60, you can actually start on HRT. 10 years since you last went on HRT, if you decided to come off it, you can go back on it again. Now, as I said, every woman is different and women over the age of 60 need to be actually, um, I suppose they'd need a, a, a detailed consultation. And the reason I say this is that if you consider that estrogen and progesterone, the HRT makes your blood vessels nice and subtle and healthy, like the, like the, the flex of a vacuum cleaner, nice and subtle. A woman who's not on a HRT, who's never been on it, Aging and pathogenesis is starting to take effect now at this stage. So you're going to get those blood vessels are starting to become hardened. So if you suddenly give somebody HRT who's never been on it over the age of 60, you are likely, you can cause a cardiac event because what's happening now is that the HRT is trying to make the blood vessel nice and subtle again and it may actually chip off something. Now this is certainly if you go on an oral medication, but there is um, evidence out there now that you, if you go on a low-dose transdermal, which is the, the patch, or a low-dose of the gel and take it slowly, uh, that you could possibly be able to take it. But as I said, it depends on the woman's history okay. and all of that. So anyone maybe who maybe took the older style HRT into their, from their 50s into their 60s and now they're in their 70s or, or maybe their 80s, there's a possibility for them because they may still be within that 10-year window. There's but the a, important message, I suppose, is is anyone who's, who's over the age of 60 needs to talk to probably a menopause specialist needs. rather than even just their own GP. Yeah, absolutely, oh. absolutely. But they can use, um, they can use the local estrogen. That's not a, that's not a problem. Okay, grand. Deirdre, I want, we need to take another quick break. I've still got so many questions for you. So stay with us if you don't mind on Ireland's Classic Hits. We'll be back in just a moment. Tara Duggan in for Niall. I'm joined by Dr. Deirdre Ford, a menopause specialist from Kayla Medical in Athlone. The messages flying in looking for information and advice from Deirdre. So I'm going to press on with them. Um, We've a lot coming in, Deirdre. So if you can keep your answers maybe as informative, but as brief, that would be great. I'm on HRT five years. I feel terribly depressed all of the time. My friends who were on HRT are all doing great. I'm not. What can I do? She may need to just change the particular regime that she's on. Okay, and she hasn't specified whether she's on patches or tablets mm-hmm. or anything. So so what would your advice be? Go back to your doctor or a menopause specialist and, and see if it can be tweaked, is yes, it? Yes, that's it. Okay, can you ask if there is a history of ovarian cancer in the family, is it safe to take HRT? If there's a history, all of those need to be sort of looked at individually to see if there are any other hormone-related cancers. Um, so consultation there. 
Okay, my mother started menopause quite late in life and seemed to have quite an easy transition. Will I be as lucky? I'm in my 30s. Not necessarily, but not necessarily. That's that's the bottom line, really. And it is. It's a very individual thing. There's no... In the same way, I suppose, that pregnancy is. You know, you may have had a, a mother who, who's had great pregnancies, it doesn't mean you're not going to have difficult ones. And the same for menopause. Exactly, yeah. Now, a very uh, interesting question here. Um, Any advice for men? My wife's going through it. I think a lot of men would want to try and help, but they don't have the first idea what to do. And just, you know... I do read heartbreaking stories of people who have really supportive partners, but they just, you know, marriages break up over this. Relationships break down over this. They do. They do indeed. And it may well be that that the man really doesn't really know what what menopause is all about. But a lot of the time, and I've started doing this now myself, if I see that there's a, a woman in difficulty like that, um, where they're where there's, they're actually struggling, I'll invite the man to sit in with her too, so that I can explain to both of them exactly why she's feeling the way she is. Loss of libido is a huge part of this as well for many women and for many couples. That's really hard to deal mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. What can be done in that regard? Okay, so we do use testogel, which is testosterone. It's the male hormone. We use it unlicensed in women because women do pr- produce a certain amount of testosterone. Um, uh, say a seventh of what man would produce. So we use a pea-sized amount of that gel and and tester gel, believe it or not, is really, really important. Apart from the libido, it's very important for cognitive function and to get rid of that residual, residual brain fog that might still be there where the words are just not coming out. Deirdre, I, as you know, read the news on this radio station, I don't know how many times every day and have done. I forgot my own name one day before I started taking HRT. I said, good morning, I'm... Oh dear, and yes. I actually didn't remember my own name. Yes, a lot yes. of people, a lot of women um, mistakenly fear that they're actually uh, at the, in the early stages of dementia. Yeah, they do. And it is very scary. It is a very scary time when you think, you know, you're in the middle of driving on the road and the next thing you think, oh, my God, I've forgotten how to drive. And you pull in and there's a panic. Um, or, or uh, it's terrible, yeah, to think that they're actually going crazy. Um, I've been on HRT patches for 10 years. I feel fine, but just wondering if I stay on HRT. My family has a history of osteoporosis, which is quite strong. My DEXA scan shows no degeneration to date. Am I safe to continue HRT into my 70s? Absolutely. Stay on it forever and ever. Don't come off it. Don't come off it. Like no. literally you have them lash it on you before you go, you go in the coffin. That That's kind it. of... And tell them to give you a bottle of gel on the way down too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so some people, uh, uh, sorry, one listener saying that she's on um, a HRT patch, but it's 50 milligrams. She's been on it for two months. It's doing nothing for her. Her doctor's on holidays. Is it safe to top it up to 100 milligrams until her doctor gets back? It depends on what age she is. She could 56, she says. 56. She could certainly cut, cut one of those 50s to give her a 75 than going up to 100. Okay, so maybe just do it more more slowly and incrementally. But that said, her doctor's on holiday, so as soon as the doctor's back, I presume your advice would be to talk to her to own talk GP. To the doctor. Now, it's only two months, so we always recommend certainly three months. And I've had women who'll say after two months, nothing. After three months, oh my God, everything was just better then. 
Okay, uh, some people saying that uh, when they started HRT uh, or when they went in the marina, they put on a lot of weight. Why mm-hmm. is that? Weight, of course, is a huge issue uh, for, for women in perimenopause and menopause. It's that menopausal middle. It is, it is. It's that apron that just seems to hang, you know. Um, and I know that with the marina coil, you can actually have that progesterone effect as well where you'll, where you'll put on weight. But it, it, this, is, this is kind of nearly like evolution, Tara, because we're not supposed to be around. You know, once we are perimenopausal and menopausal, our function, you know, historically as women is gone. So nature is trying to figure out why are you still here? You know, you're supposed to be dead. Because if you, if you consider even the famine gene and women are, who are maybe trying to lose weight and they, you are always told that if you want to lose weight, you must eat three times a day because if you don't eat, the body now thinks there's no food around and you start to, to hold on to that fat that you have. Okay. okay. Yeah. But and then I have, I've had a number of, of friends of mine who've, been, who've started taking HRT and lost weight. Yeah, it can happen, you know, and a lot of this is familial. If your mum tended to be on, the, on the, the chunky side, chances are you'll be on the chunky side too. So it could be um, a genetic thing. But the main thing that women need to remember is that once you start to feel back to yourself again, forget about, you know, whatever weight gain you're putting on at the moment while you're feeling really bad. Get yourself back with your treatment to where you want to be feeling absolutely wonderful again and then you can start looking at that. Um, as you mentioned, the marina coil can be a fantastic way of getting the progesterone localised so all mm-hmm. you need to do then uh, to top up your HRT regime is to uh, is to take the oestrogen. Mm-hmm. Uh, question here, can you keep getting the marina coil into your late 50s and early 60s? My GP said my marina can stay in for seven years instead of five because I'm over the age of 46. Is that correct? No, change it. She needs to change that again. Change it right up to, so she's 46, so she'd be 51 change it again then at that stage and you can leave that one in. Um, okay, uh, there is, uh, what's, what's the best way to apply uh, Testagel? Uh, do you completely rub it in and where is the best place to put your patches? So the testosterone is a gel that you put on the inner upper thigh and it's a pea size amount every morning. Don't use it at night time. Put it on every morning and you can use a sachet over say 7 to 10 days or alternatively you can use the full sachet in one go on the inner upper thigh and do that every, say, 10 days. Just apply one sachet every 10 days, inner upper thigh. The patches are on the skin below your belly button and you change them every three and a half days. Okay, and then when it comes to the estrogel as well, that, as a lot of people think that that, you know, you can just slap it on and that's it. You need to rub it in, is that right? You need to rub it in, yeah. You need to rub it in. Um, it dries It dries pretty quickly. It doesn't leave any sticky after, after effect or anything like that. And if you want to use any kind of tan creams or moisturisers or stuff like that, leave it a good half an hour to 45 minutes before you start putting anything else on. And the other thing too, Tari, if you if you put on your gel in the morning and then you go for a swim in the afternoon or you go for a shower, you don't redo it because once it's in, it's in. All right, Dr. Deirdre Ford, thank you so much. You've answered so many women's questions there. Um, I dare say we'll probably be having you back on again sooner rather than later. Thank you for your advice. Um, yeah, a really hot topic. And um, I hope that for some of you, at least maybe, uh, you know, you've got a little bit more clarity on some of the issues um, and feel a little bit better about uh, your future and um, how you don't have to put up with those symptoms. Um, and, you know, it can, you, can, you can get your life back. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.